This week, we're in St. Louis, Missouri, the gateway to the West. Founded in 1764 and named for King Louis IX from France, it's located on the banks of the Mississippi River. St. Louis was one of the last stops for pioneers in the 1800s as they traveled west on the Oregon Trail in search of a new life. Today, the city itself is approximately 66 square miles with a number of local attractions that any good St. Louisian will boast about. Like the iconic Gateway Arch, which at 630 feet is the tallest man-made monument in the Western Hemisphere. Or the old courthouse, which was the scene of one of the most important cases tried in the United States an emancipation suit filed by slave Dred Scott against his slave owner. It was a case that hastened the Civil War. In 1904, the Gateway City hosted both the St. Louis World's Fair and the Games of the Third Olympiad. But because neither event allowed for an integrated audience, a number of local African-American leaders called for a boycott. Ironically, that year, George Coleman Poge, a track and field athlete, became the first African-American to ever win an Olympic medal. And not just one, but two. Like most cities in America, St. Louis is connected by neighborhoods, each with a unique character and style that adds something special to the regional patchwork of the city. Clayton, Central West End, Lafayette, Dogtown, and The Hill make up a fraction of them. The beauty of each and every area is rooted in the people who live there. Just like any neighborhood, these areas are sprinkled with folks who make it their mission to be stewards of their community. They look out for the well-being of others. Maybe you're that person for those who live around you. Imagine for a moment, or maybe you don't have to, that a percentage of your neighborhood might be socioeconomically disadvantaged. That there are children who catch the bus near your house or who ride their bikes up and down your street. Maybe you don't see them very much. Who are hungry. With the amount of abundance that we see in America, it's hard to conceive that there are children that you might know who don't know where they're going to get their next meal. There's a woman in St. Louis who is that most important person in her North St. Louis neighborhood. She's a champion for the children who call Penrose home. And lucky for them, there's so much more to her mission than food. It's called Sweetie, and our story starts here. I'm Brooke Bechtold, and this is The Humble Brag. Champale Anderson fondly thinks back to her own childhood. She wasn't raised with wealth, but she remembers goodness around her. She lives not far from where she grew up and describes her neighborhood as a beautiful place where people still take care of one another. But the effects of crime, poverty, and drugs are palpable. She listens to the buzz of children around her house and can't help but be drawn in. 
Her kindness is proportional to the sheer need of her community and to the children who stop by her porch every afternoon after school, hungry. Okay, my name is Champiel Anderson. I live in St. Louis, Missouri. I give out free snack bags to the neighborhood kids. I've been taking care of kids all my life, you know, and my kids, I have a lot of children, uh, and they have friends, and I was noticing that a lot of them were would be hungry. You know, I didn't have much, but I, I'm willing to share what I do have. So I I just had $7 one day. The good Lord told me to go to the store. I went about bread and cookies, and I was making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and I was putting four cookies in a bag. Um, over the years, you know, I supplied different things in the bags, what I can afford and what some people might donate to me. And I, I am so grateful. Every little bit helps. Uh, it, it, was, it was meant for me to be right here. Uh, I believe that I was born to help. I just had to learn how to through my struggles. And I listened. I listened when I supposed to listen, you know, because God done brought me a long way, a long way. What do the neighborhood children call you? They call me Miss Champille. Yes, Miss Champille. Can you tell me about the first day that you handed a snack bag to a child that was not your own? Oh, it was, I caught the young man. He was the first one to get off the school bus that day when I decided to make the bags. This was before my own kids had gotten home from school. Um, and uh, I was, he was like, just looking at me like I was feeling crazy. I was like, here, sweetie. And just the smile on his face. He was like, thank you. And I believe that, you know, when he went back or maybe on his street, you know, he was telling uh, the different kids what I was doing, and that just made more kids come. I I remember, I think it was maybe about 15 that day, because I only made 15 bags that day. But the next day, by me getting rid of the 15, then I made 30 bags, and the bags went. They went. So each day, I was making a little more each day. What happens on the days that you've got to run out of snack bags? Like, how do you handle that? Oh, well, a lot of days, if I do run out of snack bags where um, I can't provide everything that I put in the bag, I, they never walk away with nothing. You know, um, I'm going to find something to give them if it's just a bag of chips or orange or apple whatever I can do. Hunger is a big deal, and unlike other crises, it can hide in plain sight. Its cause? Poverty. Food insecurity, or in other words, not always having a reliable source for food and going hungry, is real. According to whyhunger.org, in 2018, 38 million Americans lived in socioeconomically disadvantaged homes. That means that 13 million children regularly went to school hungry. That's one in six kids. Champale named her grassroots organization Champ's Teardrops. I asked her why such a somber name for something that's making such a positive impact in her community. Her answer was sobering. She's heartbroken. 
She's sad to see what's happening in North St. Louis, rising crime, hunger, and the lack of opportunities for kids to be kids. Poverty is dictating the lives of so many people and especially impacting the children. She didn't have much in her wallet, but she had enough love in her heart to do something about it. In her snack bags, you'll find a sandwich, peanut butter and jelly, turkey or bologna, a drink, fresh fruit and vegetables, a bag of chips, a cookie, and sometimes a treat. I asked if she had a secret to making her sandwiches so special. And I don't make the peanut butter and jelly sandwich the, the, the traditional way. So I think How do you do it? They like it. Well, um, what I do is I have a routine. I, I, I get me my big bowl, and I, I put my peanut butter in there. I put jelly in there. Sometimes I put a little honey in there, and I'll stir it up. I, I, I decided to do that because it was easier for me because... Like I said, I have a routine, so I'll put a stack of, of bread in my hand and just get to slapping and making sandwiches. And I, I can make, like, 100 sandwiches in, like, 14 minutes. Can you really? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, and I look at the people that might come over and volunteer for me, and they look like they're just having such a hard time. And I just be like, okay, now, really, this is really, really simple. So now that I've been teaching, like, my mom, He's like, okay, my mom in there, and she's making these sandwiches. I'm like, mama, well, it's been 20 minutes. And I just go in there, and I just go to work. <laughs> but it's good. According to the National Education Association, nutrition plays major roles in childhood brain development. Especially in low-income students, hunger can impair a child's performance, behavior, overall attendance, and achievement in school. Obesity, including childhood onset, is an especially big problem for food-insecure families who live in areas where fresh, unprocessed, healthy foods are either unavailable or too expensive. This can lead to more serious health issues, and the circle of need widens and lengthens even further. And when kids can't succeed in school, they feel dumb and ashamed. Their self-confidence is tested at every turn, and far too often, they give up. I can't do this. Without something or someone to motivate them, many drop out of school, and the cycle of poverty encapsulates into a younger generation. The National School Lunch Program was designed to stem the tide of these horrifying statistics and provide no- or low-cost meals to children each school day. But children have to apply and qualify to participate, but many don't. When a child shows up in a cafeteria line hungry, but without money, in many cases they're either given something mediocre, often with little nutritional value, or they go without. And in today's reality during COVID-19, things have gotten even more difficult for a child facing hunger. Take some of the children in Champaigne's neighborhood and their surrounding areas. Just like in your neighborhoods, many kids ride the bus to school. Remember, schools aren't open and buses aren't running while we're mandated to shelter in place. If you map Penrose, you'll notice that the area is surrounded by Highway 70 and a number of large, busy roads that aren't friendly to children crossing in search of food. They can't get to the schools to take advantage of these meal programs. 
we're, it's a rough neighborhood right there. Uh, and it's a lot of kids over there. I really thought of this um, because we don't have any, like, rec centers that are close to us. They have the Dream Center that, yes, gives out bags at some of the schools, but a lot of those kids can't get to that location. So, you know, I'm right here, like, in the center of everything. So there are no boys and girls clubs in your neighborhood. There's no community rec centers. There's no, none of that? No, they, they, there are, but they're so far away, you know, like a lot of kids, they can't, like, I'm close to, to, um, what are we close to, Matthew Dickey Boys Club? Um, but it's maybe like 10 blocks from me, and it's a big street to cross to get to that, get to there. So, um, like I said, the kids, I feel safe for just giving it out to them here. And they don't have to run in the street or trying to get to there. And a lot of them, they, they put stipulations on what they do. And I don't, you know, I don't, I don't make them sign papers and stuff like that because it's not about that. It's about you needing this and I'm here to help. During the pandemic, she's finding ways to get her world famous sandwiches and snacks to kids by expanding her neighborhood reach. These days, she's passing out upwards of 400 bags a day and now serving meals. I do serve hot meals. And, you know, I have parents that come down. They'll come and help me volunteer because on Fridays I do it for everybody, not just the kids. Um, Most of the people I'm serving now are the homeless. The homeless people that that's around in the neighborhood and they look forward to it. I just make up the bags and I'll set them outside. You know, for them to pick them up, um, I, I get fruit. I just, I'll just put it out there. They can get as many as they want. You know, because unfortunately, you know, we have somewhere to live. They don't. So, uh, practicing social distance is not um, an option for them because they're they're out here. And where do you serve this in your house? No, I serve it outside. I have, like, two tables. I'll put those together, uh, put some tablecloths on it, set up my little area. And it's, like, online. And people come, people ride. My street is really busy. It's a very busy street. So I have people that pull up on me uh, that are so grateful um, about what I'm doing. And that's all I want. You know, come on, let's all work together because we all we have. They're, they're out here, and, and they need help just to survive. And I want them to know that they can, they can come here, too. It's just not about just for the kids because we all need to help each other right now. And I wish I could provide more. I asked Champale if she has help with all of this, and she says that she has some wonderful volunteers, including her mom and her sister. For the first five years, she paid for all of this out of her own pocket. But the biggest boost came in August of 2019 when her daughter created a GoFundMe page for Champ's teardrops. Their goal was $1,500, but after her story went viral with coverage on major news outlets across the country like Good Morning America, The Steve Harvey Show, People Magazine, and Newsweek, she has raised over $90,000. And if you look at the list of donors... They're giving 10 to $25 each. 
That equates to thousands and thousands of good-hearted people wanting to help out as well. And they keep coming. Champeo makes it clear that every donation goes towards feeding those in need, and hers is very much an open-door policy. There are no papers to sign, no strings attached. She's very specific with what kinds of foods she'll include and what she won't. Champeo and her husband have six children of their own, ranging in ages from 9 to 26. Professionally, she's a home health care provider. Above all else, she gets the bigger picture about valuing children. And if any of her kids from the neighborhood find themselves in trouble or need a place to stay, they go to her. What's clear is that she's a resource, and she knows that hunger requires a systemic response. More investment in alternatives, the who, how, where, and when of providing a service. What's clear is that she's making a difference, and these children will be stronger. Her drive is for these kids to be more invested in their own futures. You know, and... It's a sad situation, but like I tell them, you know, if I pull them to the side, I don't embarrass them or anything. Uh, if you need help, I have a few kids that might get their bags at, at three o'clock and they might come back at seven o'clock when, you know, nothing is happening. Tell me that, can I get it? Do I have any extra bags left over? Oh, yeah. If I have two or three, then you can have them. So you have become a destination for children who... It sounds as though, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's, you're not just a place to get a snack bag. You're a person for them to check in with. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they trust me. They talk to me. You know, I, I talk to them. You know, I ask them how, how they day, and, you know, uh, let me see your report. Oh, they'd be so excited about showing me their report cards because, you know, the education is very important to me. And I tell them that, I, you know, please go to school, learn. That's what it's there for. And if I have a little extra change, I might give them a couple dollars, you know, for doing good. So they kind of look forward. So they, they have a competition with me sometimes, like my kids used to do. I have a wall of achievement in my house. Uh, and a couple of kids ask me, yeah, when they get their certificate, will I put theirs on my wall? Because if they walk in to see it, you know, that makes them excited and more motivated. Yeah, because somebody cares. You know, I look forward to it. I, I sit on my porch. I have a porch there, and I have a table down. And, I, I, you know, I have their bags already ready for them, you know, to pick up. I'm so curious how you do this. You've got a job. You've got all these children. You've got your own family. So I can't imagine, I'm, how many times a week or a month do you go to the grocery store? And how long does it take for you to prepare these bags? Well, uh, I go to the grocery store at least, at least five times a week. You know, it, it's been hard. It's been a struggle. And uh, thanks to the GoFundMe, which a lot of people look at that and they're like, oh, you you got all that money, but they don't give you all that money. And and, and it's been over seven, eight months since, since that even aired. So I'm, I'm, I'm keeping this going. So I run out a lot. And I'm going to tell you, sweetie, <laughs> for some reason, 
Well, I know the reason is if when I'm down to my lowest and someone can knock on that door and bring me some supplies, that's nothing but the good Lord. Because no matter what, even when I'm feeling my worst, I can come in and lay down. He tells me, come on, it's time to get up and let's get this going. And that is, that's who provides it for me. You know, uh, a lot of people might not understand that, but he makes a way. Hunger in the U.S. is staggering. According to the Hunger Report, hunger and food insecurities drive up health care costs to the tune of over $160 billion every year. We asked Dr. Amanda Jacobs, an adolescent pediatrician in New York, to weigh in. She says, Hunger or food insecurity in children and adolescents has far-reaching repercussions well beyond childhood. Food insecurity has been linked to poor school performance. A number of mental health issues like anxiety and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, as well as physical effects like asthma, weakened immune system, even obesity. Champagne and I talked about why this is happening. A lot of people would assume that what's going on in socioeconomically disadvantaged areas all across this country is because of drugs and urban gangs. She says it's not all about that. The working poor and families who utilize charitable food programs must make difficult choices to meet basic needs. In her words, a lot of us can barely pay our bills. If there's enough money to build new buildings, then there's enough money in the world to provide this. With the pandemic, school districts are now scrambling to continue meal service as school food service workers are falling ill to the virus. According to a recent NPR article, the National School Lunch Program, which is the second largest anti-hunger initiative in the country after SNAP or food stamps, in typical times feeds nearly 30 million children a day. Champagne is one small cog in a very big wheel, but she's making a huge difference to the kids in North St. Louis. I asked her what she hoped for the future. 
sweetie, oh my God. Oh, I just have so many thoughts in my head. I I would I want to expand this. If I I I would love to be everywhere I'm needed. And and you know, I I want to have like a rec center somewhere where the kids can go, you know, they can um have fun and be kids. The kids, they only thing they do, they they play on the tablets and the phones. I want to take kids fishing and you know on field trips. I'm a nerd. I like science center. My kids, we will walk to the science center, and, and every time we go, we learn something new. And I'm pretty sure I'd have been there over 300 times, you know. But oh my god! And, and this is what I want. Yeah, I want something different for for them, you know, because we don't have that. Uh, anymore. When we were growing up, we had um, a neighborhood rec center. It was called Neighborhood. And sweetie, we would walk that 20 blocks just to get to that neighborhood rec center because it was so much to do. And they took us camping at Camp Scub. On, and that was just so exciting. My sister and I, we talk about this stuff all the time. And see, these kids are not going to have those kind of memories. They're, they're scared to, to, to even live. You know, we barely see our kids out here playing. You know, I, I mean, I, we need that. We need that back. And I refuse to see any child suffer for anything. Anything. Um, to be honest, I feel that way because when, when I was a child, you know, I had no one. You know, it was just like I was just here. I existed. And I remember um, I was at the bus stop and a lady told me, she said, you are somebody. And with that, I looked at myself as somebody. You know, I matter. I matter to me. I would like to say this. Uh, I want everyone to, to realize one thing. Like all things, this too shall pass. And we have to keep the faith. Um, I'm not worried about this COVID-19. I'm prayed up. Uh, I trust this in the Lord. And uh I, I just want everyone to just stay happy and focused and faithful. And God bless everyone. Humble Bragg is created and produced in cooperation with Home Productions. Our web address is humble, H-U-M-M-B-L-E, brag, B-R-A-G-G dot com. Financial support for this show is generously provided by JLB Images and listeners like you. We'd like to extend our sincerest thanks to our guest, Champale Anderson. Thank you also to Dr. Jacobs for her medical commentary and participation. We have links to Champ's Teardrops GoFundMe and some photos in our show notes. Thanks to Hannah Rose and the Gravetones for providing their song, Are You Out There, for this episode. A link to their website can be found in our show notes, and their music is available on all major streaming platforms. And our star team, sound engineering by Matt Wheeler, Christine Murdoch, senior producer and editor. Music curation by L. Lively Pellegrum of Crooked Tree Creative. C.J. D'Amico, associate producer and researcher, and Jack Bechtold Programming. 
Norman Bauer and Lee Bechtold for digital artwork and web design, Patricia Brzezowski for communications, and Andrew Sachs for our original music. Subscribe and listen to us on iTunes, Pandora, Spotify, Radio Public, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We would really appreciate it. We'd also love to hear from you, so send us an email or find us on social media. Pitch us ideas about people who you think would be great to have on our show. Maybe it's even you. We'll be back soon with another extraordinary program, Everyone Has a Story, Share. I'm Brooke Bechtold. Thanks for listening.